how to walk in the spirit. That is the place of victory or abysmal failure for believers. You can be born again, spirit-filled, loving God, and live a totally miserable, failed life if you don't master how to walk in the spirit. That is just so critical. So I'm just going to go very quickly over the main points on how to walk in the spirit. That's the highlight of what Paul taught in the entire book of Galatians. And then thereafter, I'm going to take your questions or, uh, um, uh, or uh, add a few things, some questions I answered last Sunday. Amen? So Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. Galatians 5, 16. It says, I say then, walk in the spirit and shall not fulfill the loss of the flesh. It's important for you to see the construction of that sentence. It says, walk in the spirit. So the emphasis is on walking. Ah, what's that? So the emphasis is on walking in the spirit. It's important you take note of that. The emphasis is not trying to avoid walking in the flesh. Did you guys hear that? Yeah. That is huge. That's a biggie. Yeah. In other words, we should not focus on the negative, the bad, the things we're trying to avoid. And the reason is because a very fundamental principle in the word of God. The things you think upon are the things you're going to do. You want scripture for that? As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. It's automatic. So if you're spending your days and your time just focusing on, oh man, my husband did this, my wife did that, my child did that, my boss didn't do this, my business is not doing that, and you totally saturate your mind with those negative thoughts. Yeah, yes, they are happening. It's true they're happening. I'm not asking to be in denial. I'm just saying to you, the Bible has given you and I authority to cast down imaginations. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. So God is inviting you and I to begin to think and see the way he thinks and think and see. This is huge. I didn't say this during the, during the week when we talked, during the, well, last week. I didn't say any of this. It just, this is just coming to me now. God, you see, because you and I are created in God's image and likeness. If we want to see the God kind of result, we have to start thinking and seeing the way God thinks and sees. Let me give you a case in point. So God goes to a man called Gideon who is scared to his wits against the Midianites and who is hiding to thresh wheat because he does not want the enemy to see him. And when God went to him, God did not say, Gideon, you're a coward. Why are you hiding? Why are you afraid? No. He said, you mighty man of valor. He addressed Gideon 
on the basis of the finished work in Gideon's life. Amen. Not on the basis of the present condition he's in. <laughs> Huge. God sees the finished, completed work of God in your life. And that's the perspective. That's the launching pad. That's the platform from which he sees you. And so when you agree with him on what he sees in your life, you get the result. Does that make sense? That is so huge. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Now, thoughts will come. There are things that happen to us that we cannot ignore or say they did not happen. That's not what we're saying. Like I said, a bird may fly over my head. There's nothing I can do about that. Yeah. I don't control birds. I don't make birds. I cannot stop the bird from coming. Whether it's a swan, an eagle, whatever they need, ostrich, whatever. They fly, it can fly over my head. But what I can do is prevent it from camping on my head and building yeah. a nest. Yeah. You can fly all you want, but you can't land. The responsibility to make sure they don't learn is up to you and I. Amen? So Paul says, walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the loss of the flesh. Huge. He did not say, do not fulfill the loss of the flesh and then you walk in the spirit. That is not what he's saying. And we need, that's, I'm just saying that over and over and over because usually what happens to us is something happens, something goes down and we, be, we begin to focus on those things in fact, oh, this is, this is good. In fact, in fact, my prayer should focus on the result I want, not on the evil that's happened. My prayer should focus on the desired result based upon the promise of God. Amen? Okay, so let, let, me, let me read on. And I'm going to throw it open to you guys in a minute. So, uh, walk in his spirit and you shall not fulfill the loss of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh and these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. So very quickly, let me just go over some very critical points. Again, it says walk in the spirit. That word walk means it's a choice that we make. God will not make it for you. The choice to walk is a choice that I make every day, every moment. God will not make it for me. Also, that word walk is also in the present tense, which means it's an ongoing choice that I have to make, not a once a year choice. Every time the phone rings and you answer that phone, you have to make a choice. Am I going to be in the spirit or am I going to be in the flesh? Every time. Walking by the spirit emphasizes that the Holy Spirit is the source, not us. The Holy Spirit is the source, not us. So walking in the spirit means that we keep choosing to depend on the spirit's power. That's just the bottom line. So now the question is, how do we do this? And I mentioned to you two key ways or two key steps 
in walking in the spirit. Let me go over that very quickly. Step number one. We have to present or yield ourselves to God. How do I walk in the spirit? How, how, how do I do this? How does it happen? Step number one is I have to present myself or yield myself to God. And you can find this in Romans chapter 6 verse 13. Romans chapter 6 verse 13. Okay, let, let, I can actually start from verse 12. Romans 6, 12. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its loss. Verse 13. And do not present yourself... No, I'm sorry. Verse 13 says, And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin. Rather, present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. Now, this is so, so important. Romans 6.13. Romans 6.13. We should not present ourselves as instruments for sin to use. Instead, we should present ourselves as instruments unto God. And the way I described that on last Friday, let me just quickly go over that again. And yeah, I told you that the image that Paul is conjuring for us is the image that you and I are instruments. We're instruments. Very much like a scalpel that a surgeon uses for surgery. Now, a surgeon uses a scalpel. They use it for good, to bring healing, and to save lives. But when the surgeon puts that scalpel down, an evil person can come and pick up the same scalpel and use it to kill and to destroy. Same instrument, two totally different things he just did. Now, this couple has no mind of its own. What this couple does is determined by who uses it. Now, so Paul is saying, you and I, we are instruments like this couple. The difference, however, is unlike this couple that is inanimate, that cannot think or make a decision. You and I can think and we can make decisions. Yes. So he's saying now that you present yourself to God. And when you make yourself open and available to God, God now uses, it's God now that works in you and uses you to accomplish his purpose. But if you choose not to make yourself available to God and you make yourself available to the devil, of course, the devil is going to use you to do what he wants to do. So the point is, both God and the devil is looking for some money to use. We present ourselves. So how do we do that in a practical basis? Every day, every morning, every afternoon. How do we practically present ourselves to God? We see a couple of examples. Number one, Luke 138, Mary. When the angel came to her and said, hmm, 
you're going to be pregnant and have a child. And that holy thing in you will be called the child of God. Has that, has that, had that ever happened before ever on the, on the earth? No. No virgin woman had ever given birth, ever. And yet, the angel, Gabriel, from God, came to her and told her that was not the case. So Mary had a choice. She could present herself to the enemy and say, no way, you are a liar, get out of here. She could. Or she could present herself to God and say, God, I don't understand, I don't understand how this is going to happen. But you know what? Let your word be unto me mm-hmm. according, let it be unto me according to your word. Mm-hmm. That's how you present yourself. That's how you present yourself. So you are, you're facing a situation, something's happening in your home, in your business, in your surrounding, you don't understand. You have no control over what you need to do. Say, God, X, Y, Z is taking place. I don't understand it. I don't have the power to change it. But you know what? I know the one who changes all things. You are the one, God. And therefore, God, I'm resigning to you. I thank you that this situation is under control. Why? Because I know you love me and you are going to take care of it. You just present yourself to God. This is what Paul is saying in Romans 12. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice. That word present again. See? You have to present. Now, the challenge for you and I is naturally, as men and women who live in a fallen world, are immediate automatic default is to present ourselves to the devil. Now, how do we do that? You don't dial up in front and say, now nah, I want to call Satan. Satan, I'm going to present. No, that's not what you do. No, we don't do that. But we present ourselves or make ourselves available or we yield to the enemy. Why? How? By taking the dictation of our natural reflexes. He said something. She said something. He didn't do this. She didn't do that. I feel slighted. I feel offended. And immediately, without any further thought, we think of how we're going to take care of that situation, what we're going to do about it. Once you take control of it, you're on your own. You are in the flesh. That's what the Bible says. By the arm of the flesh shall no man prevail. It's all lining up. But our natural default, you need to know that. You need to know the natural default is for me and you to want to take control, take charge, and just give the person our mind. And say, in my opinion, this is how I feel. That's the problem. We should never respond by how we feel. Never. It will always get you in trouble. Isaac was feeling for Jacob and Esau. And what happened? He made the wrong choice. Your feeling will always lead you down the wrong track. So the first thing we do, we present ourselves to God. And I just explained to you how to do it. I just explained to you how to do it. Uh, This next key step. So the first step is, yeah, first step is we present ourselves to God. The next step is we set our minds on the things above and not on the things on this world. 
Colossians chapter 3, verse 2 and 3. Colossians 3, verses 2 and 3. Let me read that. Colossians chapter 3. It says, set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died, and your life is hid with Christ in God. Amen? Why is it important for us to set our mind on things above? I mentioned that earlier. Because as the man thinks in his heart, so is he. What you are thinking is what you do. You become that which you behold. Simple. And Paul, in writing to us in Philippians chapter 4, in verse 8, Philippians 4, 8, he says, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are noble, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate or think on these things. So he's told us what to think about. That corroborates Colossians chapter 3, verses 2 and 3. He's not telling us not to think. He just does not want us thinking on the negative bad things. Because the more you focus on those things, the more you produce them. Absolutely. Absolutely. So he's saying, instead of thinking on those bad things, think on the things that are true, that are pure, that are noble, that are just, good report, praiseworthy. Think on these things. Think on how much God loves you. Think of, on the promises of God towards you. Think of the benefits that God has given you. Think, 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 think on those things. And I discovered that on Friday night using the alarm clock example. You set your mind. That's what the Bible says. You set. You set your mind on those things. Just like you set an alarm clock. When you set an alarm clock, it is set for the time you desire to wake up. And you don't move the alarm clock until that time arrives. What's the implication? When I'm thinking on these things, I continue to think on them until I get the result. Many times we start thinking on the good things, the things that are good and lovely and good report and praiseworthy, but we don't think on them long enough. We do it for one week, three days, two days, however many days, but we quit before we get the result. And that stops the process. Amen? Okay, let me open up for questions. I've given you two keys tonight. And I truly believe that those keys are very critical. If you walk, if you use those keys, you're going to see a dramatic change in your life. Dramatic. Because it works. Any questions or thoughts? Misleading to your question on Sunday morning. Uh, I thought about it a little more longer. There's a scripture that says, as newborn babes, you desire the sincere milk of the word of God that you may grow thereby. Amen? So, so, so the Bible has already given us a plan as a newborn again believer 
that we should desire the sincere makeup of the word of God. And so when we do that, the Bible says we grow. And so as you grow, then things start falling off of you. you know, but if people don't, if they're not diligent, uh, so they have, so, uh, and, and, and they get born again and they don't really become diligent in seeking the things of God. Of course, the change in their life is going to be very minimal. And, and, that's, and that's the problem. Yeah, these changes are not automatic. Grace does not make automatic changes. Nope, absolutely not. Grace makes help available. But you still have to get up and, get, and take the help, the tools. It makes them available. But he does not say, I'm going to force it down your throat and make it happen. No. God will not do that for anybody. He will not do that for anybody. Yes. Any other questions or comments? Where's the mic? Just as she was mentioning um, that we should think and set our minds on the things above and not beneath. So uh, the caution I'm think uh, the question I'm saying is, just as it works in the spirit, if we think of the things above, it we draw it to ourselves. And if we are thinking of negativeness or either thinking in the flesh, we are drawing those things to ourselves also. Because God said we, he's given us power in, the, in, the, in what we say and what we think. So since we're made in his image and likeness, when God spoke, let there be, he thought of how he wanted to create the earth and the earth and these things appeared. Mm -hmm. So since we're made in his same image and likeness, if we think and meditate on the things that God has promised us and the things that God has said, we draw those things out of the spiritual realm and bring them into the natural Correct. realm. Correct. Yep. So we have to be very careful as Christians that we don't allow our minds to wander in the negative area, in the negative way. Um, because I do know that if you think of negative things, you're giving it power to draw and to, to come into your life. Like but, let, let's make it simple. Whatever you think on is what you reproduce. Yeah. Period. That, that's the simplest way you can put it. Whatever you dwell upon, you reproduce. Period. Good or bad. Good or bad. So, so that's why it's not advisable to dwell on the bad stuff. So that's why the word of God said, cast down those things, those yes. imaginations. Correct. And we have to cut it off, we have to cast it down, and we have to begin to speak truth and life to those situations. Absolutely. Yep. Any other questions? Yes. Uh, Romans 10 and 9. Let me get there quickly. Romans 10, 11. 10, 8 and 9. Oh, okay. 10, 8 and 9. Yes. Mm -hmm. The word said it. The word is nigh thee. Mm -hmm. In your mouth. Yes. Sorry, I didn't bring my, 
glasses here. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> let, let me read it. Let me read it. Yeah. Okay, so Romans 10, 8, 9. What does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if we confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Is that a passage? Okay, so what's the question? Yes. I mean, if you believe, it's an act of faith. Yes. Um, but it is not there. It's a confess with your own mouth. Not yes. a person's mouth. Amen. Very good. Yeah. Very, very, very good. Very, very, very good. You see, so what, what God is doing here is, I cannot get your hair cut. You cannot delegate your own haircut. No. Haircut. Do, do you understand what I'm saying by that? In other words, you're going to have to sit down in Baba's chair yeah. and Baba's going to have to cut your hair yourself directly. You can't, I can't say, ah, oh, brother, bra, uh, this, brother. No, no, no. So the point is, you cannot delegate your spiritual responsibility. Yeah. That's the point. I can pray for you all, all day long. But if I'm praying for you, and you are using your confession to uproot the seed of the prayer. It's, it's a waste of time. <laughs> that is a very good point. Because the truth is, if you meditate or set your mind on these heavenly, heavenly things long enough, a confession of praise will come out of your mouth. You're going to say, God, I just thank you that this thing is done. I just thank you because X, Y, Z. I just thank you because you're such a good God. I just thank you because you've really taken care of me. I just thank you because you are working out all things in my favor. I just, you, you have to confess it. Because through that confession, the power of life and death is in your tongue. Yeah. So you see, all these principles work together. That is the beauty of, of the kingdom of God. Right. All of these things work together. Amen? So Paul is encouraging us to develop an ongoing habit, to make an ongoing choice on a regular basis, not even daily, because you have to make these choices on a moment-by-moment -moment basis. Are you going to be kind or mean? Are you going to be uh, happy or sad? Are you on a moment-by-moment-by-moment, -moment, you have to make a choice, regardless of what's happening. Yeah. Anybody else? Yeah. Right. Yeah, I don't know if any of you have experienced this. You probably have. But there have been occasions when I have gone to visit someone, and because of their condition or their situation, I would think that I would come away feeling depressed or bad or sad. <laughs> but this person, or these persons in various situations knew that they were dying or they were in a, um, a very sick. But it is so amazing. It seems like God does something special for people when they're in situations like that because when you go visit them, and you talk to them, and they are talking to you, you come away feeling more uplifted rather than down and depressed, and you're just always so amazed at seemingly how God 
intervenes, how he comes into that person's life spiritually to uplift them and help them to have a happy feeling about where they are in reference to God. And it's always amazed me because I've seen it on different occasions where you go visit someone and you know they're dying, but yet they seem like they're more uplifted than you are and they can uplift you. Amen. That's, that's what Paul talks about in the book of Philippians, uh, the issue of the grace and the peace of God. Uh, peace is the ultimate goal, a place of restoration, a place of satisfaction, a place, uh, and then of course hope, knowing that your future is secured. So for those guys in those stages, they, are, they know that they know that they know that their future is secured. And once you know that, that just totally, completely frees you of all the burden you know you're going to meet him. I mean, so yeah, yeah. But now, if you are with people who do not know God, it's not like that. Absolutely not. So don't, don't take that for granted, that that's the way it is in every situation. There are situations where they are wailing and crying and gnashing the teeth before they even die. And it's, 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 you don't want to be around those kind of, I mean, it's, it's the, it, the pain and just the agony of not knowing what's going to happen. That, that's, that's really the, uh, the, the, most, the more common scenario. But when you're around people who are believers, it's a totally different situation. Yeah. Yeah. Anybody else? I'm not going to keep it open for, forever, so if there's nobody else, I'm going to just pray. We're going to check it out here. Going? Yes. <laughs> uh, yes, sir. Um, the principle of God is to plant the word and believe the word. Confess it, uh, but if you have forfeited that principle for so long and neglected the word, then how can you get God's attention to uh, intervene for a miracle? Um, is it mercy? Let, let me make sure I understand you. God plants the seed of the word. We've used the word. We've embraced the word for a while. And then we got sidetracked for a moment. And then we need God to intervene. How do we get him to get involved, to intervene in that situation? Is that, is that correct? Yes. You just get busy and you're not in the word. Okay, yeah. You get busy and distracted, preoccupied. You're not in the word like you used to be. And you need God to move. The good news is God is not moved by my lack of getting in the world. Am I saying that correctly? Anytime I invite God to come in, whether I've been consistently studying and praying, uh, I'm just right on point, or I've become preoccupied and sidetracked and I've not paid God any attention. 
as a believer, the Holy Spirit indwells me 24-7. He never went anywhere. Even those times when I didn't pay him any attention, he never left. He's just waiting for a moment's invitation. Lord, help me. That's it. Now, this is hard for me and you to, to embrace or comprehend because we live in an atmosphere of performance and self-effort. You do well at work, you get a raise. Uh, you do something very good, you get an achievement. They recognize you, they acknowledge you. And so we, we live in a, in a performance-based society where I qualify for what I get. But God is not like that. God loves me and you so deeply. Nothing we do will cause him to stop loving us. And therefore, he stands ready at any time to intervene, to give us the help we need. Yes. Yeah. Praise God. All right, anybody else? Let's just pray. Praise God. Father, we want to thank you tonight for our time together. We bless your name for your word that's coming to us to help us to make that transition from walking in the flesh to being men and women who habitually walk in your spirit. And so, Lord God, we thank you tonight that we are presenting our bodies as instruments of righteousness so that you, O oh God, can live through us and move through us and produce in us the fruits of righteousness. Yes. That's what you desire and that's what we want. And so, Father God, we say tonight, we make ourselves available. Like Mary said, let it be unto us according to your word. Thank you, Father God. We pray like Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat said, God, I don't have this might, neither do I know what to do. And so, Lord God, tonight in Jesus' name, we're asking you that you will undertake in our behalf. This is the reason you give the Holy Spirit. You said, we do not know how to pray as we ought to, but that the Spirit of God in us will pray for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And so, Holy Spirit, we make ourselves available. Have your way. Glorify the Son of God in and through us in the name of Jesus. And while we are doing that, I thank you tonight, Lord God, that we set our minds on the things above and not on this earth. Yeah. Because you said in your word that as a man thinketh, so is he. And so, Lord, we begin to think your thoughts. We begin to see what you see. And we begin to open our mouths to confess the word of God and bring it alive. Yeah. Because the power of life and death is in our tongue. Thank you, Father God. And for that individual, Lord God, who may feel like they've gone astray or they've not spent as much time in your word or they've not done all the necessary discipline things that they should be doing. And as a result, Lord God, feel like they do not have any right nor the boldness to come before your presence. I thank you, Lord, that you dissuade, you dissuade us from that kind of thinking. That we come to recognize that you've given us an open invitation that we should come boldly to the throne of grace to find mercy and help in our time of need. That is your word. You will always fulfill your word. Your word will never fail. You watch over your word to perform it. And so, Father God, we thank you for your word that we can come boldly to that throne of grace 
to find, need, to find mercy and your help in our time of need. And so, Father God, I thank you. We bless you tonight. We praise your name. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. So, uh, we're going to worship God with our giving. And then we'll be on our way home. And then we're just going to have a great service on Sunday. We don't know what's going to happen. Amen. We take back the licking. <laughs> we just come back.